WTS presents 3, 2, 1 All the Feelings This episode Fear Happy Halloween almost, depending on when you read this or whatever. Welcome to WTS Presents All the Feelings. I am Tommy Metz Third, and who are you? I'm Pete Wright, and if you are on top of your podcast feed, you should be listening to this on Halloween. Oh my gosh, the spookiest of days. I know. It's like we planned it. Yep. And we did. And remember, if avid <laughs> listeners will remember when I told my story about the Ouija board, I said, because this is coming out on Halloween. And that was weeks ago. I do not know how our release schedule works. So if you want to go back and listen to that segment, that was supposed to be my spooky segment. Oh, well. And you can fall in love with fall all over again. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, Pete, what are you how are you celebrating um, this, my shirt is made of pumpkin spice. Are you doing anything in particular? <laughs> Your PSL shirt. Yeah. Um, no, you know what? I, I don't, we don't normally do. I did replace every light in my house with hue lights, including <gasps> all the outdoor lights. So that so on the very day they will be fluctuating. And now the, the hue app actually has a cycle thing where you can say, give me this scene and it, it throbs. So our house will be throbbing red uh, on Halloween night. That I'm very excited about. And then do you stay in and give out candy? We open the windows in the upstairs and just throw candy as hard as we can down onto the sidewalk below. But what do you do for Halloween? I know that that's a general... Yeah, we give out candy and we watch movies. And oh, fine, uh, fine, I don't know fine. what the movies are going to be, uh, but uh, it's usually it was it's like a shark movie or some sort of monster attack oh, movie. Yep. Uh, but I've already watched the Meg too, and I regret every <laughs> one of the I've minutes heard. that I devoted to that. So uh, I don't know what we're going to watch this year. I'm very excited about the dynamic. What do you do to celebrate? Well, the I'm going to be going to a haunted house with friend of the show Liz and her wonderful husband, who I have not met yet. We're going to a haunted house in. I don't remember. I think it's Glendale. It's one that I haven't been to before. Because L.A. is littered with haunted Tons. houses. Tons. Universal Studios Hollywood has been doing it all month and getting horrific yeah. reviews because oh. they they have oversold every single night. So if you don't buy the $900 front of the, $900 front of the line pass, apparently each – like people are going all night and seeing two mazes because the lines are like hours and hours long it's terrible oh no that's terrible But we're going to a cool one and that reminds me of what the, the last time i went to a haunted house which was actually years ago um i apologize if i've told this on the on the podcast but i'll tell it very very quickly i have this thing because i get very scared at haunted houses i love them but i go in like a raw nerve as i do most things um mm-hmm. I'm not like, oh, nice, nice boo. I'm very into it. (laughs) And I do this thing where I will scream what I see. (laughs) And so I don't just go, ah. And so there was one time we went through this thing and it was through a scary kitchen. Like there's pans and stuff and things. (laughs) And this butcher runs out with his knife and I go, pans, because I saw (laughs) pans on the wall. And I think the butcher, I think I scared the butcher. <laughs> so, yes, I will the be looking. The turns around and says, where? I know. I will Rise be looking forward life. to screaming what I see very soon. Uh, yeah. Fantastic. Now, I don't do, I can't do haunted houses. No. That's that's too far. Yeah. 
I, I nope. imagine, and it's too far for most people. Then you should go to Universal because apparently you never actually because I won't see a haunted house. Yeah, you just, if you hate money and you hate screaming, go to Universal Studios. <laughs> but why are we talking about all of this scary stuff? Today's episode is about what, Pete? It's about fear. Fear, noun, an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. So, Tom, can I tell you about a thing I just did? Absolutely. Have you ever done uh, any, like, experiential theater performances? Does that, is that, like, in, in immersive theater where you're in there? And... Well, I've only done it once, so I, this is the only experience I've ever done it. But, yes, that the idea is you're, like, in a seat that is part of the set. Many, 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 many. It's one immersive theater or experience theater is one of my favorite things. And it's really blowing up in Los Angeles. And I also yeah. do this thing called Sleep No More in New York every year. So, yes, very much so. Go ahead. Sleep No More. What mm-hmm. is that? Sleep No More. It's a it's like a haunted house play about Ham, no uh, Macbeth that you walk through this five story um, hotel, the McKittrick Hotel. Uh-huh. Uh, and you walk through all of these different sets, and sometimes you catch little parts of characters. Like they all start at a dinner, then they all break off into different places, and you can follow whichever you want, or just wander oh, around I love yourself. That so much. And there's one whole floor that it seems like you're outside in a graveyard, mm-hmm. and it's just it's incredible. Sleep no more in New York. It's one of the greatest things I've ever done. Well. This was not that. Yep. This was the first time I'd ever done anything like this. Okay. And it took place at the old uh, Mason's Lodge mm. in downtown Beaverton. And I know Beaverton. Uh, it is the, it was Misery. Misery. The movie or the experience? Right. Oh. the Well, I don't know. The experience. It was the experience. And it was written by William Goldman. Oh. Like the adaptation credit to William Goldman. Um, and the whole idea, you walk in and it's this giant space that has been cordoned off by different sort of obstacles, like hollow doors, things like that. And you're sitting in the furniture on the set and hmm. the set is the cabin where misery takes place. So those who aren't familiar with misery, it was originally the Stephen King book and it was adapted into the great movie with, uh, uh, what's his name and what's her name. And they were fantastic. <laughs> Kathy and, Bates. uh, I'm your number <laughs> Kathy Bates. <laughs> Won the Academy Con, Award. Uh, James, yep. James Kahn. And uh, I'm your number one fan, and it was really, really great. And uh, nobody, and, and all of the notes were, don't touch anything on anything or Annie will get angry. And I love all of that. Okay. In our experience, yeah. And they did the whole thing. And uh, I realized that Misery, the story of Misery, first of all, it was fantastic. I mean, they were great. The and, actors. So they're, you're seeing yeah. a play, but you can sit wherever oh, you want. yeah. Yes, you sit wherever you want. Like, and so, you know, you walk in and the the guy, the I can't remember his the character Paul name, Sheldon. but James Kahn, Sheldon, yeah, is he's already in bed asleep, right? Because mm. what they cut from the experience is the entire open where he is driving through right. and gets caught the wreck. So it opens and your bedside. And people are sitting in the furniture of the bedroom all around, right? <sighs> There's only one chair you can't sit in. And she's going into the kitchen. There are people sitting at the dining room table. There are two chairs that are open for the actors, but the rest of the, the table is full of guests. And she's just acting around all of the people. That are in the house with her. She's pretending they're not there. And I realized as I was watching this that misery defines a special kind of fear Hmm. that I have. Oh. And it is related to 
something we've talked about many times on the podcast in its early days, which is social anxiety. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but in this case specifically, it is the fear of uh, saying or, or of the physical violence. It's a social fear of physical violence that comes from something I say or do in public. Oh, wait, that you do something that causes people to want to hurt you. Yes. Okay. Yes. And that's what this misery is about fundamentally. Now, in her case, she's a huge fan and he does something that, you know, she he damages the character that he that she's a huge fan of. And so she hurts him. She traps him. She locks him up. She they do the whole hobbling thing Oof. like they did the whole thing. It was incredible wow. with the sledgehammer and everything. They must have had a prop bed with a hole in it for him to put his legs yep. and used uh, prop legs and they cracked and everything. It was crazy. Um really horrifying. And all of that really, like, that really gets to me. Mm. And I think it's because I'm in this weird position of having chosen to put my voice out on the internet many times a week. Right. And also kind of back pocket it, right? Like, uh, we don't do any heavy advertising. We don't do a lot of, of, and it's really just very much kind of, and I wonder if that's because uh, I really don't want to be found by people who don't like me. <laughs> okay. You like your pod. Yeah. Yeah. I have a pod. Yeah. And I never want to be in Misery's cabin. Sure. Do you have anything like you're a performer too? Yeah. No, very much. And as someone that speaks very fast and as avid, again, avid listeners can attest to, I have tons of stories that I do something without fully thinking it through and then reap the opposite of benefits. Um, mm -hmm. So no, I do worry about that stuff. And this is on the internet. And we had a whole episode uh, seasons ago about being, we didn't have the words for it yet, but now it's called being canceled. Oh, that's funny. We didn't call it being canceled. We just called it being found like something you wrote on Twitter that you thought was funny. And then it goes viral. Yeah. We were talking about cancellation before cancellation. <laughs> Look at us. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's an incredibly scary idea, especially because it involves, it can involve uh, mob mentality, which yes. I'm always terrified right. by. Uh, the idea always of terrified ganging by. up on someone, something being taken out of context, any of that. And then to extrapolate that or to add physical violence, I was, I'm more afraid of being thought of as a jerk. But if you're mm -hmm. saying that it can actually lead to a physical altercation, then that's that's terrible. That's mob rule. Well, e exactly. And I think we're just we're you know, when you there are stories out there yeah. of the kind of horrors that we're talking about. Right. Right. And we've we've been talking about them for years, like the they're the radio murders. Right. The you know, the the um, talk radio murders that were uh, in Denver and uh, those kinds of things kind of linger for me. Is that what talk radio was based on? Allen Berg. Allen Berg. It was the, the story was about Allen Berg in Denver in 1984, and he was murdered the by... The shock DJ was killed by one of his listeners, right. And then Eric Bergosian made it into a play, then a movie called Talk Radio. And who were those people? Those people were white supremacists. Oh, no. Known for right? their calm demeanor. They're so chill about all the things. <laughs> Known for their khaki pants and... So when I... Island vibe... <laughs> When I uh, <laughs> when I started thinking about how I wanted to approach this episode, the very first thing that came to mind was this: like mm. th fear, the idea of the thing that that could, in w one way or another, 
like activate someone who is mad enough at me to cause me physical violence. Oof. That is a thing that causes me fear. Right. That's a thing that causes me fear. That gets me amped up. I think that's really interesting. I think it does come from uh, also being in that sort of mob mentality mode, like the fear of of groupthink and and all of that. I did get to thinking, as I want to do. Mm-hmm about why the hell is, is fear good for, for us? Yep. And it turns out evolution has an answer, Tom. What? I'll bet you know what it is. Yeah, monsters, saber-toothed tigers. Always the tigers. Yep. Sit, don't, don't get eaten by that saber-toothed tiger right there. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the first one, there are. I, I'm going to say there are five y- uses from the research okay. for fear. Uses for evolution. fear. Okay. The first is the predator-prey dynamic. Yep. Uh, that that um, you know, predators and preys, depending on what you eat, are tuned for different uses of of fear. Right, the prey is often better attuned for a fear response than the predator is. Sure, predators are bad at this because <laughs> they're bad at they're not used seeing to being around hunted. that next corner right there right. for that tiger because they are the tiger, um, and so uh, it makes me think about weirdly the Meg too. <laughs> As you are, again, want to do. Want to do. The Meg 2 eats everything, including, I'm going to say this out loud, a Tyrannosaurus Rex. What? Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with the Meg? They've yeah. already jumped to Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> <laughs> They're so out of ideas. God. Uh, so uh, over time, this sort of uh, genetic tuning mm-hmm. leads to the evolution of instinctual fears of certain types of predators or dangerous situations. Many animals have evolved to fear snakes and spiders, which were common threats through evolutionary history, even though, you know, we deal with that far less than our precursors did. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so predator-prey dynamic, that's a big one. Don't get eaten by that tiger mm-hmm. right there. Social fear and group living. Sure, you don't want to get kicked out of the cave. Exactly. We've evolved to fear social exclusion or ostracism because being part of a group enhances our chances of survival. It enhances reproduction. Fear of social exclusion motivates adherence to social norms, cooperation with group members. It turns out fear is the root of a lot of stuff we've talked about on this show already this very season. Right. Thanks, fear. So fear, (laughs) fear, fear and learning and memory. Can you imagine what this is all about? Fear and learning and memory. Mm-hmm. That something scares you so you remember not to do it next time? Mm-hmm. Really? That's pretty much it. Okay. Yeah. It, fear is a, uh, it takes a previously neutral stimulus like, oh, there is a hot stove right there, but I don't care about hot stoves. Right. Hot stoves are useful for, you know, water. And then I touch the hot stove. Yep. That becomes a thing I, be, I am. Uh, fearful of it is associated with a harmful event a key adaptive mechanism so there's that uh the amygdala of course we've talked about the old amygdala hijack Mm. part of the brain plays a crucial role in fear processing when we encounter a potential threat it's that amygdala that helps us assess that whether that fear should trigger a fear response the fight or flight uh and so that is one of those those are the the sort of top four and then Obviously, people have individual differences in fear responses. Uh, differences can have an evolutionary basis. Some people might be more prone to fear response because in our evolutionary past, being better safe than sorry mm-hmm. provided a survival advantage, which leads to whether or not you can see yourself as sort of more conservative around potentially fearful situations. Okay. Even though in the modern world, that equates to 
anxiety disorders. Right. Because most of those fears are no longer founded. That's the, we're being betrayed by our own brains that we talked about yes. earlier this season. Yeah. Yes. And by our own history. Mm -hmm. And that is, uh, that's a real challenge. It's, it is, it's not just a product of our current environment, right? This goes back to regression that we talked about earlier this season, which mm -hmm. is this idea that, you know, we are the product of years and years of fear, anxiety, uncertainty, doubt that, that all creates this, you know, who we are today. So that I, I thought that was interesting. And especially when I think about, um, you know, my social violence fear, mm. right? Where does that come from in this? Yeah, because you're, have you schema? gotten in a lot of fights growing up? Well, you remember Joe, the slap fight <laughs> oh, no. yes. on the playground. And then there was we that horse about that. That, that was you. I don't know if that counts as a fight. But you <laughs> that, were was that was not this season. That was not this season. That was not this season. It's all I one long season. I can't believe you remembered that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's another episode in our history where I do talk about the fact that I was riding a horse and yeah. another horse mounted that horse while I was on it. Yeah. I was a real I think creamy center I in an Oreo horse cookie. <laughs> I think I remember that because that's like me touching a hot stove. My brain <laughs> was like, well, this is there. This is there forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is yeah, interesting that, of why you would because that is not something that i fear that much so why do you think that is and it is i love i just wanted to butt in again while i'm talking i'm butting in on myself is to say that that's a big <laughs> part of my shout out to bonnie my therapist that our work on is she's said a bunch of times that is an old fear that no yes. longer applies that applied when you were a child that applied when you were a teenager because of this now it's just hanging around. So we're really yes. trying to separate what is an appropriate fear versus an old or irrational fear. Sorry. Go ahead. So uh, here's here's my theory. Okay. In 1984, when Alan Berg happened, I was 14. Alan Berg, the shock DJ that we talked about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In Denver. I was in Colorado Springs. My dad was the news director of a television station in Colorado Springs. Huh. My life existed in local news and everything I came home to at the end of the day revolved around my dad's relationship with the public. Huh. And there is something about this that takes me back to that place as a child. The fear that I have about listeners doing violence to reporters, to you know, talk DJs, whatever, I think it goes back to that. That's where my head and my heart go first, that wow. dad was impacted by this in an incredibly deep way. He was. And, you remember that? Yeah. Like he ever, oh, yeah. The news, the broadcast community really was rocked by it? Yes. Okay. Yes. For sure. Sure. For sure. And, and of course, you know, I, I actually, I don't think he ever knew Alan Berg, but I do know that the, the uh, you know, degrees of separation were sure. very small. Yeah. Right. And so I I think I internalized his anxiety and made it my own. I really do. Wow. I think I inherited it. Yeah. Because it's totally irrational. Right. For me personally, I've never had any anyone come at me for anything, you know, super hardcore. I tend to stay pretty, um, you know stay pretty high level on a lot of the stuff that we talk about mm -hmm. though i do have i have opinions some some held strongly but you know um i, I just i i think i have taken on 
my family fear, and now I'm the product of it. Right. And this is a thing that can keep me up at night. So it's this not is a thing that can define fear. today's behavior. Wow. Yeah. That's generational right. fear. Yeah. It is. Well, because there's also not to compare us to DJs or anyone that is popular or should be listened to, but also there is a connection in that we, while you stay on top of things, like you said, you do have opinions, uh, but we are both, we bring a ton of ourselves to the podcast. Yes. People feel that they know us to a certain extent, even if we've yeah. never met. And that kind of connection can be strange and hard to think about sometimes that it's like it's breaking through some sort of invisible membrane, a connection yeah. over the air, in effect. I absolutely cannot think about it too hard while we're doing this. Mm, Just the meta act of talking about talking. the fear that I have of this subject is unnerving. What does it make you feel? I terrified. Uh, yeah, it's that anxiety. But uh, you know, it's just this generalized fear of somebody hearing something that I've said wrong and wanting to do something about it. Right. And that something means get back at me somehow. Right. Right. Or compliment if you want to bring us a gift, like here, for instance, here's Pete's address. <laughs> it's 1770. Oh You're doxing me <laughs> on the podcast <laughs> while I'm talking about my fear of doxing. <laughs> Oh, real friend, yeah. a friend in need. <laughs> um, you know, I, there's there's one other point that I, I wanted to, to bring in only because we've talked about the difference, the subtle difference between happiness and joy. Mm -hmm. And that is the difference of between fear and terror. Mm. And I think this is something that you kind of you kind of jam with. I do between horror and terror. Yes. Mm. So what do you right, what have right, you right. got? Yeah. If you remember the difference between happiness and joy, one of the key differentiators is that joy is a spontaneous event, right? right? It's a sudden, unexpected event. Right. Well, the same model holds for fear and terror. Fear is generally seen as a response to a known, definite threat, Threat, right? It's the, that emotional or physiological response that will prepare the body for fight or flight, right? It, it's that it, it always comes with the, the dread and anticipation of something imminent, right? right? It's like you, you're looking forward to this bad thing, yeah. and so you are fearful of it, mm -hmm. okay? Terror is usually considered the more intense form of fear that is associated with uh, extreme dread or immediate right. uh, events, right? It's that, like, something is, is horrible. You're walking through a forest, and you hear a rustling in the woods around you. And you start thinking about a bear. Mm -hmm. Now you're fearful of bears. Right. You have fear of the bears. You're walking through a silent forest and a bear drops out of a tree right <laughs> next to you. Well, out of a tree. Yeah, I know. That's terror. Right. That's a terror experience, right? right? You weren't expecting the bear and now you're terrified of it. And so or you're walking I, through and you see a bear. That's fear. If the bear's holding a knife, ooh, boy, boy. <laughs> yikes! That's right. Yeah. If the bear is holding a white supremacist, oh no, so chill. Yeah, that escalates into terror, quick. Yeah. Now that you have identified the fear, does that help you deal with it? So I don't know if just 
talking about it uh, is going to help me deal with it, right? This whole fear, especially because now I have a model. Fear. Yeah, yeah, the broadcasting thing. And so uh, because now, I mean, I have a model with which to talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, and the fear is the ever-present dread of screwing up. <laughs> and the terror is walking out my front door now that you've doxed me <laughs> and having people standing there with a, a knife quite suddenly. Yeah. Um, and so that's, I, I don't know, it, but, but I do think it's interesting. And I think the breakthrough this morning was um, was really realizing that I have internalized someone else's wow. fear. Yeah, and and that's uh, that feels that feels pretty pretty big. So Dad left me a generalized anxiety and fear, and he could have left me like a million dollars. Yeah, <laughs> he's not good at wills. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you get for using legal zoom. And now, The World's Shortest Horror Story, written in 1948 by Frederick Brown. Knock. Adapted by Tommy Metz III. The last human on Earth sat alone in a room. There was a knock on the door. The reason it's adapted by yeah. me is because the original is the last man on earth sat alone oh. in a room. There was a knock on the door because in the 40s, the scariest thing was the idea of a woman. <laughs> the first ghost story my dad ever told me was the story of the man with the golden arm. The story revolves around a man who was known for his golden arm. The man was proud of his unique appendage, and it became a significant part of his identity. Now, as the man grew older, he made his wife promise that when he died, he would be buried with his golden arm. He wanted his prized possession to accompany him even in death. His wife, although hesitant, agreed to his final wish, and when the man passed away, his wife, then suddenly burdened by poverty, well, she found herself tempted by the value of the golden arm. She thought of all the wealth it could bring and how it could rescue her from her financial struggles. Overcome by desperation, she decided to dig up her husband's grave and take the golden arm. Now, you know how this goes, right? She began to hear a chilling voice at night whispering, I want my golden arm. The spectral voice grew louder and more persistent each night, haunting her dreams and waking hours. Consumed by guilt and fear, she couldn't bear the haunting any longer. The ghost of the man reclaims his golden arm and in so doing, delivers a chilling lesson about greed and respect for the dead. And the way Dad told it, we begin many years later with a group of miscreant teens daring one another to spend the night in the old woman's house. Whoever makes it through the night wins the dare, and with it, the respect of ages. And the way Dad told it, when that man starts dragging his ghostly stub of an arm along the walls of this old house, groaning, Give me my golden arm! Where is my golden arm? Oh, that was a real pants crapper of a yarn. Years later, though, I'm plagued with a question about that house and not one of ghosts or dumb teenagers. My question is, what if I want to sell it? 
As it turns out, it's a real estate conundrum that more homeowners face than you might think. And it's a question Megan Sealing, a journalist based in Nashville, Tennessee, explored an article for Fly Homes. So picture this, you're Helen Ackley. You're living in a turn of the century Victorian in New York. And each morning, your children are awakened not by an alarm clock, but by a ghost that shakes your beds. Another specter might manifest itself while you're painting the living room ceiling, offering a spectral stamp of approval on your color choice. You have embraced your spectral guests, and you're sharing your stories in newspapers and even featuring your home on the town's haunted house tour. Now imagine the surprise of Jeffrey Stambovsky, a New York City transplant who purchased this Victorian mansion for 650 grand, blissfully unaware of the phantasmal residence. Now, once he was informed by neighbors, he took Eckley to court, demanding a return of his investment. The first trial judge invoked caveat emptor, let the buyer beware. Yet an appeals court reversed the decision, ruling in favor of Stambovsky. That's because Ackley had already had the house declared legally haunted by the New York Supreme Court after talking all up and down about ghosts she believed to be from the Revolutionary War. Because they had so publicly acknowledged their ghosts, they could not suddenly deny their existence at the time of sale. Now, if you're wondering what catchy name the press gave this ruling of ghosts in New York, you probably don't have to go very far around the fire station to get to the Ghostbusters ruling. Ow, who you gonna call? Now, disclosure rules vary from state to state, but nowhere in America are sellers required to disclose alleged paranormal activity, even in New York, where precedent has been set. Only Minnesota even mentions hauntings in its disclosure law, freeing sellers from having to disclose perceived paranormal activity. It's difficult to prove from a legal standpoint that a property is indeed haunted. But from a more practical standpoint, maybe the best that you can hope for in the first open house is spectral good behavior. Want to invest in your own property that might not be certified haunted by the New York State Supreme Court, but is certainly certified dumb? Become a feeling friend today. For just $35, you can get access to the member live stream when we record, early access to the shows in your very own member podcast feed, our latest batch of stickers, and a present from Tom, the classic ATF bingo card. Visit our fancy new URL for the show, allthefeelings.fun, today. Sneaky Pete, I have a quick quiz for you to shake off the spooky cobwebs. Are you ready? Mm, bring it. What do these following things have in common? Ready? Yes. Arachnophobia. Mm-hmm. Agoraphobia. Mm-hmm. Acrophobia. Mm-hmm. Cynophobia. Mm-hmm. Aerophobia. Mm-hmm. Trypanophobia. Mm-hmm. Misophobia. Do I'm going to keep going? They're all phobias. They're all phobias. Exactly right. Which means their Latin names all contained what? Uh, The fear of the god of yikes. The god of yikes. Phobos. Correct. Mm -hmm. Over the last seven seasons, we've name checked Phobos in countless episodes. But what do we really know about him? We've just called him the god of yikes, but we've never actually. And I would like to give you a very quick primer because... I think we should get to know more about the Greek god of fear and trembling because it's from him that many people believed and some still believe that the idea of today's feeling of fear ultimately comes from. You know what I hear right now? Do you know what I'm hearing right now? What? The theme song to Entertainment Tonight. This is like an Entertainment Tonight (laughs) celebrity expose on Phobos. I cannot be more excited than I am right now. Tonight, 
the god of fear and trembling. Next up, <laughs> birthdays. Yes, that was entertainment tonight. <laughs> Correct. Um, I See, I graduated from CU with a degree in humanities, so this stuff is right up my alley. Does this sound slightly interesting to you? And 100%. Through yes. you to the listeners, I hope you hope. Okay, good. As a basic overview, Greek gods were, of course, basically the personification of every, every experience known to man. They were an effort to explain the unexplainable. So, like, for instance, Pete, do you know why the weather is so crappy? Is it Phobos? Is the answer going to be always not. Phobos? It's because Zeus, the god of the sky, was probably in a crappy mood. Why do all your crops die in the winter, Pete? Oh, probably who? Athena? Hera? I don't know. One of them? It's one of them. It's probably because Persephone, the goddess of spring and vegetation, has to vacation with that old grump Hades, the god of the underworld, oh, during sure. the winter. Fans of the musical Hades Town will know all about that one. Mm -hmm. And then we get to Phobos. Phobos is known as the god of fear. But who was he at home? <laughs> well, little Phobos was the son of Ares. Do you know who Ares is? Do you want me to keep god asking you questions? Right? Correct, the god of war. And his mother was Aphrodite. Oh, yeah. The love goddess. Yep, love god goddess. God of war and the love goddess. They're together. As you can guess, they were a tumultuous family that caused much heartache and many battles throughout the ages. And to make things even more exciting, little Phobos wasn't an only child. He had many brothers and sisters, but I want to include one twin brother in particular, as he naturally fits into today's topic. If we zoom in, Phobos is actually the god of fear and panic. And his oh. twin brother, Diomos, was considered the god of dread and, and terror. Okay. Okay. And both brothers would ride into battle with their war daddy, with Diomos causing dread in the soldiers' hearts before battle. And Phobos was in charge of spreading fear and panic during the battle itself. Okay. So unlike other gods, the brothers weren't there to inspire people, but instead to cause, what's a good word, discord and mess with people's heads. The Greeks were known for their relentless training and planning for battle. So at times when their battle lines would break and soldiers would run away, that's because Phobos and Diomos tag teamed them and sent them running. Are you with me so far? Yeah, I am. I, so what is... So the Roman equivalent. Okay, here's where I'm. I'm on a little bit of a hunt. So uh -oh. Deimos and Phobos are two moons of Mars. Correct. But Mars is Roman. Well, Aries is in there somewhere. <laughs> I did see. <laughs> I did get on a space jaunt, and I decided not to talk about it. But yes, they that's are the first both... place where my head went. So I apologize for the distraction. No Mars problem. is the Roman equivalent of Aries. You should just call Mars Aries, and then we'll okay, be fine. Deal. All They're right. all, the whole family's up there. They're the doing whole great. family's up there, yeah. But did you know that those twin scoundrels, Phobos and Diomos, they weren't just meddling in times of war? Because do you remember, it was just a second ago, who their mom was? Didn't we just say she was Aphrodite? Aphrodite, the goddess of love. So what yeah. could Phobos and Diomos have to do with love? Jealousy. <gasps> did I just get something right? Diomos would show up in someone's mind when they are already in love and inspire dread over the fact that they might lose their loved one, either in uh, death or to someone else. That can lead to an earlier topic that we covered this season. Jealousy. Hey, outs. jealousy. You're Dang. exactly right. Yeah. And Phobos is even worse. That little stinker. Because <laughs> Phobos <laughs> would stop a person from pursuing love altogether. Putting the fear oh. of rejection or future abandonment, for example, could inspire a panic that keeps a person from ever expressing their love to someone else or even going searching for love. I'm going to get hurt or I'm going to be rejected, so I'm not even going to try. And thus, that's why Wordle exists. <laughs> I, just made that, 
I don't really know what that is. Uh, it might end terribly, so it's better to put it off. That's actually something that I deal with personally in dating. I'm not worried about the first date. I'm very good at first dates. I'm worried about the ninth date yeah. when things start to get heavy and I'm worried that I won't measure up and be who the other person wants to be. That keeps me from date one, even though I'm pretty good at date one because yeah. I like questions and talking to people and apps. Uh, that was supposed to be appetizers, not dating apps. Um, and that, uh, and it's that reason it's Phobos that keeps me from updating my okay Cupid page, uh, which I'm pretty sure if you were to look at my okay Cupid page, it says, Hey everybody, I'm about to start a podcast about anxiety. It's my friend, <laughs> uncle Pete. That is very outdated and, and also not enticing. Your <laughs> tagline the- should just be, can we start on, on date nine? That should be just really skip it. Through. Just skip yeah. one through eight yeah. and start on nine. You know what gets in the way? Passion. <laughs> Let's just skip <laughs> right into what do you want to eat? Yeah. So <laughs> um, anyways, so that is a quick character overview of Phobos, the Greek god of yikes. And the patron saint to our podcast, What's That Smell? And he's been showing up, of course, because it's us. We take optimism and give you hemorrhoids. Uh, Phobos is all around us. And I wanted to end this by just saying, even though we are not related, you and I, Pete, I kind of see us as the Phobos and Diamos of podcasting. <laughs> yeah. A friend, a uh, friend of the show, Justin J, uh, recently texted me that he listened to our episode on stress, and uh-huh. I asked him what he thought, and he said it stressed him out <laughs> because now he's afraid his brain is shrunk from all of the stress in his life. Oh, and that that's for has. sure. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that's, that's another sure. fine job by Uncle Pete and Tommy Magoo. I would like to call us the twin gods of thanks for nothing and needn't have bothered. <laughs> What do you think? <laughs> I think that's perfect. I was also yeah. thinking about, I'm sorry, you're welcome. <laughs> yes, exactly right. No one asked for it, and here's a second helping. <laughs> Thank you all so much for joining us on this episode. This week's tune is Mad Crows by Captain Cubes. Tommy, uh, when we started this show, you came up with a list of all the feelings, and this one was a banger. And now I don't know what we're going to do. What are we talking about next week? And why did you pick it? (laughs) Well, it's important because it's going to be our last episode for this season for this Mm -hmm. brand new experiment. WTS presents all the feelings. I think we're going to give it another try if people seem to have been enjoying it. And so we started with change. We brought you fear. And now we are going to lift off and see what is around the bend because next week we are talking about transcendence. And I have a feeling zero percent idea of what to talk about. Transcendence. No, it's not even a feeling, but neither was regression. That was another hard one. That was another hard one. Transcendence. Mm -hmm. But it seems like a good one to end the season on. Transcendence. We can do this. We can do this. We can do hard things. Maybe that's what it means. We can do hard things. Exactly right. So I'm really excited about it. And until next week, when we transcend something, I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Tommy Metz III. Thank you so much for downloading. We'll be back next week for our season ender with all the feelings.
my golden arm. Wait, I turned the last one into a song. This is a little bit operatic. <laughs> last one. <laughs>